these cultural leaders are even planting some unique things. They can even plant a dead frog at, at somebody's doorpost. To come directly and tell people that FGM is wrong without making them to understand, it's so hectic. Let us use the innovative community-led solutions. The problem and the solution should come from the community. I overheard one time a, a policeman saying that, why should I go and interfere to a culture whereby these things will be sent to me? We've been threatened, we've been called all the names, but this one will not stop me from standing in for the girls. This is the NFGM podcast with Vincent Ogalo. Welcome to the End FGM podcast. My name is Jeremiah Kipainoi. I spend time with change makers who are making an impact in Kenya and beyond. Each week, we listen to incredible stories of ordinary people just like you making a difference. They share their successes, failures, and what they are learning along the way. Thank you for being with me today. Let's get started. I am here today with a young one. He is from Migori County, born, bred in Korea. Welcome to the NFGM podcast, Vincent. Why did you decide to start working with the community? Thank you very much, uh, Jeremiah. Uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. I've been interacting and engaging, but uh, probably I'm happy today to have met you. Small world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so Vincent Ogallo is an ardent, uh, fearless social worker uh, who is passionate uh, about working in a community and uh, specifically working uh, around uh, uh, on, on women empowerment and also uh, working with girls. So this is a um, passion that was bred uh, uh, coming from a family whereby uh, we used, I used to experience and see most of the uh, time the domestic violence against uh, our parents. So I was really uh, traumatized growing up and uh, immediately we came to Korea. Uh, that is uh, because of work. My dad uh, had been given transfer when I was, re I was young and we came to Korea. I used to see I used to observe this uh, domestic violence and this made me to sometimes feel sad about what, uh, what my mother was uh, going through. Uh, so in, uh, as I uh, continue growing up and growing up, I also uh, tend to observe this happening in Korea community whereby it perceived that a woman does not have a space. Women are uh, a lot of uh, gender-based violence. It's normalized. It's normal. It's normal in the, in, in, within the Korean uh, setup. And also uh, some violence against girls. That is uh, FGM, uh, the, the, the cutting being practiced to girls and these are not really girls some of them are children from the age of 9 10 uh, and, and, and onwards and they are exposed to marriages at an early age so i i, I felt that uh, it was a time for me to to stand up and to uh, join uh, to join in uh, in voicing out and also uh, working closely with the girl child and also women so this this is a passion this is something that comes within my heart you have grown within this community and observed how they celebrate, you've seen how they conduct their rituals and how 
heavily they really take their, uh, this rite of passage as they perceive it. How has it been like working within this community, especially not having a Korean name? Um, I, I think this is uh, whereby, uh, where a lot of challenges come in. But I believe uh, when you have something within, uh, there, there's nothing can stop. Nothing can stop you. So we've had these celebrations going, uh, uh, going on, uh, going on, especially during the the cutting season, the female genital cutting season, and we see men and we see the community chanting and moving around, and they perceive it uh, as, as as a culture, as 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 culture. They are fulfilling their culture. But uh, without seeing it as a negative aspect, uh, whereby uh, at the end is, is the girl or woman who end up suffering. You know, uh, Jer Jeremiah, FGM affects you direct or indirectly. So you get, uh, at some point, uh, insecurities are so high. Uh, because with this celebration and uh, these people knows that uh, you don't come within the community and you advocate against this uh, their own culture you are, you, it's like you are attacking them so at some point they they see you as 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 an intruder in in their culture but a point comes whereby we use a lot of approaches, we use a lot of strategies whereby we try to convince the community. We are not attacking the culture, but we are trying to, to bring to their attention what does really a female genital cutting means to a child? What does it mean to a woman? There are those community members who acknowledge whatever we are doing around this. So um, as, much as, as much as celebration are being taken away, celebration are done. And, and Jeremiah, this is done to an extent whereby sometimes we see uh, these celebrations uh, the, the, the girls are cut, the, the celebration are all the way along the road and even they go to police station, they go to, they pass through judiciary and even sometimes our government does not take, because it's perceived, uh, it's perceived that, I don't know, I take it as a, a threat but uh, really I've never seen anything happening but there are those threats that if you, are, if you talk against FGM in Korea, like uh, there's some sort of... Um, magic there's some sort of attack you'll receive but i've never seen them so i think these are some of the threats that the gatekeepers are using to scare those who are campaign the campaigners against the, 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 uh, this sort of um, uh, negative cultural practice a friend of mine mentioned to me that um during the celebrations sometimes as you've rightly said they go to police stations and they just march be before the heads of departments uh, heads of police and do not care really Yet these people are armed and they are supported by the law, but they are not able to speak against this community. Why? There are a lot of things are, are, are happening around it. And sometimes you get, uh, you, know, you know, when, uh, when maybe uh, it is perceived, it's a myth, uh, that during these, uh, these times a lot of sacrifices are being, are being made. When these girls are cut, they are not, uh, they are not the wounds or the, any bleeding are not controlled. So this blood keep on flowing to the ground and these people believe that these, these are form of some practices. So you know that uh, during this celebration some get that these policemen who are also working there, most of them are not around the community, they are not coming around Korea, they are coming around from far. So I overheard one time uh, a policeman saying that why should I go and interfere to a culture whereby these things will be sent to me and I'm not coming, I just came here to work as a policeman, I came here to do so why should I go? So there is this fear of the policemen, some of them 
but in most some cases we've seen policemen reacting but i think this is coming jeremiah because of the pressure because of the push because of the campaigns because of of, of that pressure that the advocates are putting in the the government is putting in we cannot say that the government is not doing that much but this is due to pressure because at the end of the day they want also to see that to tell the policemen that we regardless of your intervention we are continuing this so i think yeah, to some extent it's a bad image but to some extent it's also a reaction uh, towards the pressure put on these abandonment um, campaigns. I'd like us to talk a little bit about superstition because there are many instances where that many girls have had to go through FGM because they are superstitious about, uh, about repercussions that are not specified. What's the relationship between superstition and the continuation of practicing FGM among the Korea people? There is this... Um, cleansing the grounds whereby, whereby these girls are supposed to be uh, the, the ground for the cutting and also there are those uh, sacrifices that uh, these cultural leaders are, are, um, are undertaking something that I've realized from the community and that's something that is happening there is a lot of threats by the cultural leaders because this is whereby they want to the, uh, the cultural practice to continue and this is whereby other people does not want it to continue because of the non-reason. So this is an overreaction. This is a reaction. So in the a, a, a reaction uh, in that the, the cultural leaders are trying to protect this practice, to protect this thing by scaring people away, by scaring people away. So we got we have we've seen some incidents. These cultural leaders are even planting some unique things. They can even plant a dead frog. At, at somebody's doorpost, they can do this. These, these cultural leaders have become smart because they, they want to pretend, they want to act as if uh, they have powers. But in the real sense, uh, in most of occasions, because in uh, and as much as sometimes as we engage community uh, positively, we've been threatened, we've received a lot of threats sometimes. But in most cases, I've never seen anything happen to me. You mean threats uh, in terms of getting bewitched? Yeah, like you'll uh, you'll be witch, you will you'll wake up. Maybe you don't have any uh, some some of your body parts are gone, which I've never seen since I, 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 I since we moved to Korea. I've never seen this. So I think this is a reaction and this is a a push that the cultural leaders want to brand so that people can be afraid. Most of the people believe that this this dredge, the witchcraft, exists and has drawn many people to continue practicing what they have done for very many years and also even gained the courage to to brandish pangas and clubs and weapons uh, on the road, walking with bleeding girls, um, celebrating and singing. How are you addressing that? I think it's a belief, as you've said. It's a, just a belief. It's just a myth and a misconception. We are trying to engage the religious leaders to try and incorporate these, uh, these um, families and also uh, talk about FGM in churches. So as they also talk about it, they, uh, they base it with the Bible uh, aspect of it and uh, the power of God as well. They are trying to encourage the community that as much as FGM is uh, associated with superstitious uh, things, we also see that uh, uh, religious leaders are trying to preach uh, the message of good peace and also abandonment of this uh, cultural thing. So we get that it's very, uh, sometimes it's very it's quite hard. It's quite hard for uh, for some families to abandon it, but only to continue it because of these related uh, issues or superstitious issues that are attached to it. So, working with the religious leaders, continued uh, uh, awareness creation 
and, 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 and education uh, to the community and to make them understand what does really female genital mutilation. It's, it's interesting because these cultural leaders do, they do not really consider Christianity as part of their lives. But with time, uh, things are changing and most people are adapting to a more mainstream religion, I'd say. But the truth is, the Korea community is one, a very highly patriarchal one. And over time, we've seen people really speaking very boldly and saying that this is part of our culture. And uh, we really do not have the authority even as individuals to go against it because... Um, it, ha it has been done and it still has really strong, really strong roots, especially in rural areas. We've been to places like Kehancha, for example. Just even within the town, we still have people still talking about FGM, which is unlike many, many towns uh, among even FGM practicing communities. So it is very strong still in Korea and people are actually quite proud of, you know, being part of the ceremonies. How has it been working with the community now that you've been there for quite some time, running different programs? Is there a difference between cushioning yourself with education programs and then at some point bringing in messages of FGM or you just go straight with anti-FGM messages? As much as uh, FGM is still uh, continuing in Korea community, I think there are those strides that are being made by individuals and by a group of people like us uh, who champion uh, on, it, on its abandonment. So uh, we approach it, uh, on, uh, uh, for example, we approach it on basis of uh, uh, girls' education. So uh, on activities we are undertaking on girls' education, we support, uh, we try to uh, reach out to schools, we try to do mentorship in schools, and in the process, uh, because uh, Dealing uh, with FGM head-on, like uh, making direct activities or campaigns like end FGM, uh, has been proved to not bearing fruit. But on the other hand... Wait, before, before we just move on from that, why is it so? Uh, it is so because this is a cultural practice. This is something that the Korean community has lived by. Uh, this is something that they've seen even their old men doing, their old men and women doing. So to come directly and tell people that FGM is wrong without making them to understand, it's so hectic to convince maybe a 60-old uh, woman who, whose ears have been cut, as a, uh, and cutting ears is a cultural practice, and also trying to tell uh, or, uh, trying to tell her that uh, you know if, uh, if, if, if you continue with, uh, with FGM, you'll not, uh, you'll, not, you'll not do what, and at that time, you know, this 60 uh, years old woman has great-grandchildren, you see? And he has also children who has given birth to uh, other children. So we've seen that it's, uh, we can tackle it on, on perspective of education, that is one, uh, by trying to reach out to uh, the girls, by trying to reach out to the family and parents to support education. Because at one point we were reviewing uh, FGM in Korea and we are seeing that FGM is an expensive practice because during the practice uh, when, when when our family want to take the girl for cut the family must pay to the cultural leaders, leaders to to for the cutting that's uh, way above 1000 then there is ceremony part of it that is making the celebration at home there must be a cow 
that is being slaughtered. There must be uh, maybe go some goats. There must be local brews that are being made. So when we try to uh, calculate all these expenses, you'll find that this money can be channeled in educating this girl uh, so that he, she can become somebody meaningful in life. So we also approach it and uh, currently we're also doing the sanitary part of it whereby we go to schools, do empowerment, talk about FGM uh, on, the, uh, on the aspect of education and encouraging girls and also doing that. And the other side, we are also trying to engage men uh, on Mura, Men United Ready for Action. That is an initiative uh, that is, uh, we are working closely with the, uh, with, with the men and the FGM uh, movement so that we can try also to bring the men on board. So I think uh, uh, the, 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 the approach has, uh, has not been working so effectively when you try to address the FGM like head on. Yeah, you need to, we need to uh, continue using other strategies. And that's an approach that many communities are really also trying to avoid. Although some people insist that there's no going round and round um, circles, just go straight to the point and start talking about, you know, if the problem is FGM, why not talk about FGM? But I understand where you are coming from. Um, but the reception is not just violently or um, uh, received in a harsh way by just the elders or just the elderly. It also happens among the young people. I really thought that the young people are the ones who should be championing and they should be understanding even in this age. Uh, I think uh, the component that is missing uh, amongst the young people is uh, education, uh, maybe awareness part of it. So uh, young people, uh, uh, are not. Uh, most of them are not understanding uh, the concept of female genital cutting. So I think that is what has really, they are still, and, and you know, uh, young people are still uh, they are still relying from uh, relying on, on many issues from their parents from the older generation so you know that when gen older generation speaks to them they they believe it more than any other person but i think with consistent awareness with consistent engagement at whatever level because uh, as much as we are trying to uh, to uh, to do education uh, against female genital mutilation engaging men we are also also looking at the policies, uh, be it in the national policies against female genital mutilation and the county uh, government policies that will address this vice. But young men should, be, should have a, continued, a continued engagement so that they can understand. And after understanding, after all of them would have understand the concept and the effect, the negative effects of female genital mutilation, I think... Uh, there'll be this uh, a wider shift or a migration from the perception to the understanding and also to the abandonment of the of the of the vice. And creating understanding is a very important part. Uh, is a very important word in this case because sometimes we just tell the people that they should stop these vices, but we really do not tell them why. And it's an uh, it's something that has happened. And I have also uh, seen in uh, many community. Um, dialogues, and I'm always saying in these podcasts that people talk about taking the children to school without really telling the children, you know, uh, without really telling the parents or even the people who are involved in the cutting uh, that it's important to let these children go to school, but specifically tell them not to cut them because of the repercussions, things like difficulties during childbirth, you know, of even um, emotional trauma, and all those things that come um, along. FGM, sitting down with old men, and I'm saying old men, not just men, and having a discussion about FGM. 
Have you ever tried it? And if yes, how is it like? Um, I think uh, the, uh, there have been a focus on working and sitting down with old men in the society because at the end of the day, they are the decision makers uh, in the community. They are the, they, they are the decision makers. They are part of the. Uh, they are the gatekeepers of the community. The things they can speak against and it, they end and the things that they can speak uh, and people understand so fast because we believe that older men are wise <laughs> due to experience and uh, yeah, more, more days. So I think we've tried... Uh, and, and as you said, um, they are also listened to much more by their sons and daughters and their families in general. Exactly, exactly. They, they, they are the advisors in most of the families. So we have... Um, Try to organize dialogue meetings with the, with the old uh, generation or old people. We've tried to reach out to elders. We've tried to, uh, to bring them on board, to call them, to try to dialogue, to try to... Uh, we've structured, structured it as a community-led dialogue, whereby as we call them, we sit around, then we start... As in, it's it's something that comes from them. We start when we go like uh, the, in the activities we were, uh, I've been I've been doing. We try to get to ask. You know, we don't even go with, uh, during those meetings. We don't even say that we've come here to discuss FGM. We just start by what are the issues uh, uh, are we experiencing within every village that we go. What are the issues around this village? Then in the process, we get these old men say that female genital mutilation cutting is an issue. Uh, this is an issue. Uh, this is an issue. So in the process, we capture those key points. Then we start to say, now, if FGM is an issue, how can we go about it? What can be done to this village, not to the Kenya or to other place or to the wider angle? So we are trying to instill um, uh, this conversation, this dialogue, until we come to a solution with the old men. We tell them, now, this is coming from you. You know, in stack, we just our my role has been just in starting conversation. So they're like, uh, this thing is uh, bad. How is it bad? They come up with effects. Then what what can be done uh, to it? They also come up with solution. Then we wrap up the meeting, and we the community plus the old men. We tell them to try to incorporate this solution to the community so that it uh, we can see the abandonment of fgm but in most dialogues with the fgm aspect has really come out strong and its solution has been also uh advocated and it, it has also come out from the old the old men themselves but to some in most cases we also get some old men not seeing uh, fgm as an issue but majority of them we've met i've seen them as an i've seen it as an issue one thing I realized about the men in Korea, because I've interacted with some of them, is that, and one, one of the men is the one who said this, and I'm going to quote him, the reason why we are not really successfully ending FGM is that men are actually direct beneficiaries of the cultural practices, because there, as you say, is the sale of cows, and there is money involved. And so these men, especially the older ones, who do not really have different sources of revenue are always looking forward to you know these goodies that will enable them to have a good time uh, sip some beer yeah. do you think that fgm could be addressed in other ways like economic empowerment 
Is it something that would work among the Korea people? Yeah, I agree, uh, Jeremiah. Economic empowerment to the community is so, so key. Because as you've said, and as I highlighted earlier, that uh, the cultural leaders are doing this th are doing the, and are trying to protect this uh, negative cultural act or practice for economical gain. Because we see that they are being paid to do the cutting. And you can imagine, in one season in Korea, if we can cut about 10,000 girls, if you multiply by these 1,000 shillings, it's a lot of money. So he's, make, he's generally or she's generally making money. So I think if we can come with economical empowerment on the alternative means of survival, means of getting uh, income generating activities can be engaged into. I think Jeremiah, uh, this can also be as a uh, help in the in ending female genital cutting. So I think uh, the economical empowerment aspect is so, so key in Korea and in all other, uh, uh, other communities that are practicing FGM. So I think this will give them a base uh, to establish themselves, to get other means of income so that they cannot rely on cutting the girls so that they can have economic gain. I think this is a component that uh, should be looked into and notwithstanding that let us not do it that we want just to do them, give them alternative. Let us tell them the reason why we want them to, to shift. Because we've seen, uh, we've seen programs that are giving these cultural leaders uh, uh, in terms of economic empowerment, in terms of giving them monthly uh, payment. And at the end of it all, after when the season comes, we also see this, the same, same men are going to do the cut. Those who are earning every month, I think there's one organization that came up with an idea, such an idea every month. They were giving this was about uh, 6,000 every month. But when the season come, came, I think this is the time whereby these uh, cultural leaders went and do the cut again. So I think we also need to be intentional and be very innovative when coming with uh, a, a, an economic, economic empowerment strategy to counter, to counter uh, this one of female genital cutting. Um, there's something that you've been mentioning about when you say men are the ones who are doing the cut. Of course, I know that the men are involved in circumcising or, uh, or cutting boys. And I know that the, the women are responsible for cutting girls. But these are held during the same time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned that, but uh, the, the, the men are being cut with, the, with, with, with men and uh, women are cutting girls. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, uh, during that process they are happening at the same time, but different locations, and but the ceremony. And you know the reason why the reason why this happened is because there's this cultural. Uh, uh, it's a culture that when girls are going to be cut, men or boys need to accompany them, then leave them to a point whereby they are being left. Now they don't go to where exactly they are being cut, but they are leaving them some few. Uh, miles away. Then after the girl has been cut, they are also escorting the girl back home. So that I think this is a sign of showing the community that this girl is ready now for marriage and men are also around, all around him and maybe they can start uh, now uh, visiting the home and all that. It's an indication. I think it's a preparation uh, for, 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 for uh, marriage uh, indicators for these, these girls. We'd like to bring this to a close. Um, the Korea community, I'd say, is still a long way, and hopefully we'll have uh, a change of mind in the next few years. But it's still quite a, f 
quite a way away from uh, ending this vice because I have been there. I have also seen some um, footage before, not not long time ago, because I know that they are they hold these uh, cutting ceremonies or these seasons come after two years. What advice would you give to someone who would like to join the NFGM um, fight in Korea? Oh, basically, I'll, I'll try to advise anyone and I'll probably I'll welcome. Uh, we welcome everyone who wants to work with us and uh, partner so that we can end this vice because uh, it's really uh, bring a lot of issues and a lot of uh, 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 to, to the girls and women. So one thing I will say is that anyone uh, joining hands to NFGM in Korea, let us use the innovative community-led solutions. Let us not uh, script anything out from another community and come and use it in Korea. Let us understand, like I said before, when we are doing the dialogues, the problem and the solution should come from the community. And I think this is where by most of the organizations and most of the people are missing the point. And also, let us, anybody want to venture into this, let her or him understand that culture is not a one-off thing. It is not something that will just end at first because it requires a lot of consistent engagement, consistent awareness, consistent empowerment and education so that a community can understand, everyone can understand, men, boys, even cultural leaders. And a lot of strategies to be incorporated so i think culture anyone who want to get uh, there need to focus on culture you need to get solutions from the community and you also need to be bold because i think threats are there the ground sometimes is not uh, as as easy as that there are a lot of insecurities in terms of you uh, intruding the, uh, the culture of Korea community and also he need to be, she or he need to be very bold and, and in ready to take anything because we have been abused, we've been threatened, we've been called all the names, but this one will not stop me from standing in for the girls. Vincent, thank you very much for joining me on the NFGM podcast. Probably you would like to uh, share an avenue where someone would be able to reach to you, either probably on social media handles or maybe an email address that someone will be able to reach you, probably further this conversation, probably join you in Korea, and do something about this work. How will they be able to reach you? Uh, when you go to Twitter, Tunaweza, uh, Tunaweza Empowerment, uh, that is our Twitter handle. Then uh, when you come to Facebook, you can look for Vincent Blessing. I think uh, you'll just go about and see what we are doing and also... Um, you'll have to get us then when you want to uh, also see whatever we are doing again you can see on Activista uh, group that is another platform that we are working around with and then lastly you can also email us or email me at vincentmuita at yahoo.com so that I can respond to anything or we can work and partner to anything vincentmuita at yahoo.com or tunaweza empowerment on Twitter, on, on Twitter, I mean, thank you. Thank you very much. This is the NFGM podcast. Together with the NFGM podcast team, Tony Mwebia and Matilda Timpian, we say thank you very much. Asante sana in Swahili. Till next Monday, take care.
You can get bonus materials, notes, and much more at www.kipainoi.com. K-I-P-A-I-N-O-I.com. Please remember, we all can do something. Go out and make a difference. For we all have a responsibility to make this world a better place. Goodbye.